Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the number one podcast on video game development and the lifestyle of those game developers. I'm one half of the podcast team bringing you this awesome goodness once a week, every Tuesday morning. My name is Larry Charles. Here with me to help us do the anchor, the podcast, you know, the second lap, I guess. What does the anchor do? The anchor is like the last, whatever. You you know where I'm going with this. He runs very fast. <laughs> Mr. Brandon Pham. Always running from something. This is Brandon Pham. Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained. And as a special topic, if you haven't read the headlines yet, it is a Glassdoor Confessions yes. on Activision. Oh, man. We right, have we come like- full circle. So we're, 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 we're looking at the corporation uh, in relation to the news recently about the 800 people layoffs. Okay. So it's asking for it. And here it is. <laughs> right. We need so, some uh, music for this. Right. <laughs> uh, obviously, Larry and I have some history with Activision. We both worked at Sledgehammer Games for about three years on the Call mm-hmm. of Duty franchise. So, um, although we haven't worked at the corporate level, obviously, mm-hmm. we have brushed shoulders with those corporate figures. And uh, they kind of look like what they are, right? So anyways, let's just go into it. And uh, if you haven't heard of the Roundtable News last week, you should. All right. Shame on you. But 800 people got laid off a couple weeks ago. And uh, this is on the day of their earnings report Mm -hmm. of a record-breaking profit. So this is what happens when you do really well as a company, you lay people off. So it's a new trend, right? Um, Mostly because Bobby Kotick, as a reason, said they didn't reach their full potential, right? And uh, that last year, this last year was, uh, you know, if you ask if uh, what titles were released by Activision, there were maybe two that you can really think of, Destiny 2, Call of Duty, right? The 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 same old, same old. I, I, and then I think we mentioned there was a spiral remaster yeah. of the first three original games. But I have a hard time kind of reaching for what else they, they do. And that is part of the reason why. Of course, they got Candy Crush and all this other things yeah, that, that helped. Service yeah, yeah. So that helped boost their profits um, more than ever before. But... Even they know that that is not enough IPs during the year um, if that is uh, their ways of doing things. Again, we can't overlook what was going on at Blizzard, right? <clears throat> so Blizzard um, has all their IPs, but it's been at least five years. Has it been five years? When was the last time uh, Overwatch was released? Three years? Uh, maybe four. I think I was playing Overwatch when I was at Sledgehammer, but I don't, I can't verify it. Let's Google it real quick. So, uh, I'm going to Google it real quick. I, I believe it's like almost five years, man. Overwatch. Really oh no, 2016, 2016. Yeah. So three years, three years. 
roughly three years. And uh, there there has been a change of guard, right? So who, who's the, the main guy at uh, Blizzard that just got... Mike Morheim? Yeah. Morheim is like the OG, the co-founder. Yeah. And as as if they were waiting on the pulse of his exit to kind of come in and start wrecking things because a, a major part of the layoffs were at Blizzard offices too, mm. um, where eight percent of the workforce across their worldwide studios were laid off, um, and a lot of those guys are are uh, kind of moved off of franchises like Heroes of Storm and other uh, other franchises that weren't performing as well or as expected, right? The growth isn't as great. So they're pulling the resources behind the projects that are doing well, as in Diablo, uh, what else? Wow. Uh, Overwatch and uh, Starcraft, I believe, right? What else do they have? It it seemed like they were doing a restructuring, sure, at Blizzard. Um, I don't have any sort of inside intel on any of that, but... I guess what I've been able to gather from online is that, you know, they they want to do, what did I say, 20%, you know, more resources across all their projects. And of the projects that were named, one was Call of Duty, right? Mm-hmm. The other four projects, Hearthstone, here's, um, Hearthstone, World of Warcraft, Diablo, and Overwatch. Yeah. So that's, that's mainly Blizzard stuff that they're trying to boost up. Right. So if it's a fat trimming and they're like, hey, you know what? This project doesn't need six character artists anymore. Let's take three of them and put them on some new project. Or this project doesn't need, you know, this many gameplay engineers anymore because it's already live. It's games as service. So let's take some of them and put them on, you know. A restructuring doesn't bother me at all because there's no jobs lost in a restructuring. So if it literally was a restructuring, cool. But where do 800 jobs come from if it's just restructuring, right? Like there's right. all the fat trimming as well. There's number padding towards the end of the fiscal year, which I yeah. worry about. Well, from what I've heard and what I've been told, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, uh, a large portion of that was, was marketing administration, yeah. like because they're they're starting to move all that that um, those decisions into their corporate offices in LA. So Blizzard is is heavily being filtered through Activision and this is the influence that people have been fearing, right? In the last few years where it's um profit driven and Activision kind of having more of a say on what Blizzard works on because here's the interesting dynamic between these two since the merger, right? These are two companies basically that have very different views on how to create games mm-hmm. right uh activision corporate level in la is all about serialization right only betting on sure things and uh not diving or being distracted by anything that is getting trendy unless it takes hold right mm-hmm. sometimes even years after it takes hold like the battle royale thing right and then there's Blizzard. Blizzard's like not shipping until it's done type of mentality. Yeah. Which they're known for and which is why fans are so loyal and dedicated to all their games. And one of the reasons why their IPs are so strong, each and every single one of them, right? And so when they merged, um, thankfully the effect wasn't felt as much. You're a Blizzard fans. How do you feel? Well, I would say that for the most part, we weren't going to see any of the outcome of that, right? Anytime soon. 
because the games that we loved at the time were already out or already established. There was no new product coming out. If anything, derivatives or continuances of products, like for example, expansion packs for Hearthstone, you know, uh, an expansion for World of Warcraft, but that's things that we expect already. None of the monetization strategies changed in any of those games to, to what I know, but now it's like, oh, hey, the new game that we were gonna make in the Diablo world, Straight to China, baby. Diablo Immortal coming your way on Huawei phones in 2019 or whatever. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like it's that's the Activision side of it starting to show its head. But yeah. I'll just be honest. Like we kind of we all jump on the Diablo Immortal train because it's fun to be like, oh, Blizzard doesn't listen to their fans. Yes and no. Blizzard Entertainment, Activision, even with the merger, they're a business, a for-profit business. They've clearly seen that their products do very well on mobile phones. I don't know why anyone out there who's a Blizzard fan didn't expect that they would want to try to take more of a foothold in the mobile marketplace, right? The Giants, the juggernauts do great in mobile because they have enough money to tell the world that they've made a mobile game. Whereas it's still the wild, wild west for small developers who have to just hope that they get enough word of mouth traction that they'll, you know, find success. So the way that I look at it is now we're really starting to see the Activision influence and it started with culture. Right. It started with expectation of internal product scheduling that conflicts with, hey, hey, this this game isn't done. We don't want to talk about it. Oh, no, this game is done enough. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no, you're going the wrong way. Like Activision would never have canceled ghosts, in my opinion. We would if the Activision Blizzard merger happened those years ago, we would have had for better or for worse. And I'm leaning more towards the worst. We would have had Starcraft Ghost. Unfinished, you know. Not mm-hmm. ready for prime time. Yeah. I mean, Bobby is always ready with that number stamp. <laughs> <laughs> Stamping around sequels. So yeah. that, that's a definitely a sure thing. And, and to kind of go back to what you were saying, how, um, you know, uh, the Activision didn't really show its ugly head into Blizzard's stuff business mm-hmm. uh, until the Diablo Immortal. That was a straight up, like it's Activision time, right? Mm-hmm. As in <laughs> like a Power Rangers mitomorphing time. So uh, I do agree with you. Like, of course, mobile was the next logical thing for Blizzard to jump on. China especially love mm-hmm. Blizzard type games. You know, all those games in China that are doing well are Blizzard ripoffs from other companies. So of course, mm-hmm. Blizzard being the OG would have to go into that space. I think the outcry and outrage came from a fan-dedicated convention. The announcement yeah. was poorly uh, decided to 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 be done at that BlizzCon, right? Where it's all about the fans, or supposedly, right? Um, what? You guys don't have phones? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that goes down in history for me as like yeah. out of the most out-of-touch yeah, comment. Yeah, so out-of-touch. It was the perfect comment. Um, as in, yeah. Completely out of touch. <laughs> I'm still so good. I still laugh. <laughs> the so good. Was perfect. That dude probably got ragged on all, all internally. But um, yeah, there's no doubt that that's the future of Blizzard. Right? Yeah. There's going to be a strong mobile, um, uh, mobile motivation. Yeah, yeah. For for okay. for every IP that they have. You know, their focus right now is, is it iPhoneable? 
<laughs> is there an iPhone route here? And that is the type of decisions that people have been fearing for a long time, where it's not like creatively driven, but mm-hmm. more for profit. And I do agree somewhat with that philosophy. I mean, it is a money business, yeah. but it being Blizzard and Blizzard showing that finishing when it's done philosophy has been working so well in their favor mm. in their history of the company that uh, people are afraid of what the alternative can look like. And I think people are kind of just gripping on to like, honestly, the last creative company mm. and not to hate on all the other studios that work for Activision, but to be honest, you know, Blizzard has always had like, uh, have always had their own, I don't know. They always uh, stood their ground when it comes to creativity and IPs and the handling IPs. They were kind of autonomous from the corporate level because they've been doing so well. So, you know, there's only two directions you can go. You either are performing well as well as how Blizzard have been performing or going the other way, which is, come on, let's be honest. It's going to be, it's going to go to hell, right? And so, with marketing and a lot of the administrative 8% of the workforce being the uh, people that um, is going to be answering to Activision most of the night, Activision corporate, Mm -hmm. um, the way they're going to present themselves basically as a company at at Blizzard is going to be questionable uh, on how they carry forward. From what I've heard internally, a lot of devs, weren't affected, of course, uh, yeah. from Blizzard, which is uh, another conversation. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, there's everyone's a part of the process, right? Say developers or non-developers is kind of, it's kind of insensitive, I think, um, because everybody contributes to making a game and, and selling a game and making it mm. um, successful. So, uh to put that in the same sentences, how Activision have put it to shareholders, saying non-devs related, right? It's uh, it's kind of their way of spinning. So don't fall into that narrative, guys. Right? You're you're next. <laughs> don't think that it's, it has no. That's the thing with layoffs and being non-unionized right now. It's, it's like if it's waves, and you do have survivor guilt, of course, which wears off, but. Uh, you, you think just as long as it, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's not me. Even if you're a part of a company that's getting laid off, it's like, oh, it's not me this time. This time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got to remember, you're, you're just one Excel uh, column away from being laid off because, you know, God forbid Activision does really well next year. What does that look like? <laughs> more, even more laid off. It's like, we can, we can do more. If 20% of the workforce wasn't here, we... You can buy more yachts and <laughs> and beach houses. The big concern for me is like I feel like, and this is beyond Activision Blizzard, but more so just my barometer reading of where the game industry is going. I'm super terrified of the Netflix everything future, yeah. right? Where everything is behind a pay gate. Every single piece of content entertainment that I enjoy is going to be behind some sort of. You've had your 30 days worth of fun. Now re-up and give us more money. You know, like, I don't want to say that I'm old school by saying I would like to buy something and own something. When I go and buy a new pair of shoes, 
I love that those shoes are mine for as long as the shoes last. As long as I'm interested in those shoes, I can play basketball. I can go on a hike. I can just look good on a Friday night and be like, check out the Jays. You know what I mean? Like I have the ability to just have whatever kind of fun I want with my shoes. No one shows up like a week later, like, oh, by the way, you know, we're going to need that extra $10 or you can't have your shoes anymore. We we are not going to give you access to these shoes. Like I think entertainment is the same. When I see the serialization of all gaming content coming the microtransaction model being the like hey this is how it has to work sell them the game then sell them more content for the game behind some sort of pay gate and if they don't buy then they can't play they're not going to be up to date they're not going to have battle pass or they're not going to have whatever whatever it's to me it's just like drugs man it's like hey we have this thing that you really like you're excited about now make sure that you you get your fix and pay us our money every month and the businessman in me is like i understand you're creating monthly revenue streams but it it's going against so much of what the game industry should be to me, right? Like make a damn game. That's good. And sell the game, let people play it, give them a complete experience. Right. And, and that's where I feel like a lot of blizzard fans might be reacting right now. Is like knowing that Diablo is going mobile. Like, like there was even thought put into that when they love Diablo as a PC title, as a, I bought the game and like until an expansion pack comes out, which kind of goes in line with what I was saying, but like, it's a significant content update, right? You have the whole Diablo three game ready to play, right? You have everything in that game. You can enjoy it. There's single player, there's story, there's tons of shit to know that they're going with like a mobile strategy. Now, I think a lot of fans are reacting to great. We're going to lose another one. You know what I mean? I'm going to play Diablo and they're going to be like, hey, would you like another character? Two bucks to open up another character slot. Yeah. Oh, you need to go back to town and you ran out of, you know, go back to town juice. Five bucks. Like, this is the uh, this is just a standard issue with publicly traded companies right? where enough is never enough. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking at Netflix and the Netflix thing, of course, in recent years have been the buzzword around Silicon Valley. Every single company wants to be the Netflix of this, the Netflix of that. And even with games, Xbox coming out, they, they want to be the Netflix for gaming. And there's a huge rumor with their next box being all about streaming games for a service, right? And, you know, there are benefits to that as well as cons. And the con that you're speaking of is, of course, people won't be owning things outright anymore. And that is where we're heading, at least with the big companies, right? There's a bigger, bigger uh, gap between small indie game titles and then now AAA uh, titles, right? The expectation is, of course, like how do we generate more money than we ever before, which (laughs) requires them to think differently. And approach things differently, like the Netflix model. And then all over Silicon Valley, everything is Netflix now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can see the business decision behind that. And it could be helpful, too, in a way. Because there are so much, so many games out there, right, as an industry every year. And not everyone's going to spend their $60 or $100 on to play every single one let alone um, try the the best titles, right? So the things that we've been talking about the few last roundtables before is like where Steam themselves over at Valve, they see people wishlisting more than ever going on the rise because they have games that they didn't even get to play. So it might help people kind of get eyes on the uh, games that you would never even think about playing 
kind of like Netflix, you know, you watch movies that you would never even rent or buy because, mm-hmm. you know, so now you have a chance, you have a thousand titles every month to kind of look into things. So there is a benefit to that overall as an industry, but sure. I am, I do agree with you where, um, with a profit driven type of mind, I am so scared with how that's going to turn out okay. because Netflix does have, you know, they are a pioneer in that space and they are, uh, it's commendable that they keep Netflix ad free, right? They can make five times as much, but they're more long-term thinking, right? They're like, Hey, our customers appreciate no ads while they're watching these movies. And, uh, you know, I feel like games like Activision and stuff yeah. immediately is going to try to see how, especially if the model works, how much more they can squeeze out of it. Because, you know, once they get a, a foothold on how this Netflix for uh, as a service type of thing uh, happen, this is going to be one year in these quarter earnings calls. Like, all right, we're, we're hitting we're flattening out again. So what can more can we do? Because it's this it's never ending. Right. Yeah. Like better can only be beaten, but better. They're, they hate the the fact that anytime it dips, um, is a I, definitely, I definitely need to jump in here because I want to clarify something for the listening audience, right? And just to like solidify my arguing point, I I can completely understand the difference between games as a service and a service of games, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, Game Pass to me is a service of right. games. Like I'm paying the 10 bucks a month to have access to all of these complete experiences that I can play to my heart's content. There's no pay gates inside of the individual games, potentially like um, I haven't gone through every single game, but you know, there's a lot of indie titles, you know, guacamole is on there, you know, uh, and I'm not trying to advertise game pass right now, but I actually have it. And I, I enjoy like, Oh, I can play Hellblade, right? Like I didn't buy that game and I really wanted to, but now I technically have it because I paid the nine bucks. I'm pretty sure it's not going to take me 30 days to play that game to my heart's content. You know what I mean? So that's games. That's a service of games, which I'm totally behind. My worry is like the opposite of that. Like, let's say you're on Netflix and then 30 minutes into Thor Ragnarok, they're like, are you still watching? Please pay 99 cents to unlock mm. the rest of this movie content. Mm. That's where it's definitely going to That's And that's that's what the worry is. The fragmentation of experiences, the, everybody trying to do like some sort of like reten- or finance retention where it's like, hey, every certain, every 30 days, we are expecting to generate $8 out of each user. Whether that's a literal 30-day pay gate or whether that's microtransactions up until 30 bucks is met within a 30-day period or whatever, excuse me, eight bucks into a 30-day period. My biggest fear, and I know that it's coming and I don't really know what I can do about it other than complain, is that like the way that I enjoy gaming right now, the way that I think gaming should exist where everything has a home, you can make $60 games, you can make games as a service, you can do whatever. I'm so worried that the corporate bigwigs who don't play games and I'm just going to keep generalizing because clearly the decisions that they're making show that they don't give a shit about end user or end user product. They just want to chase whatever the big revenue is. They want to chase the black line and be above it as high as possible. And shareholders like that whole thing is just ruining something that people appreciate and love. Yeah. The benefits of like, financial influx when you go public awesome great we get it you have more revenue to do things but like the influx of corporate execs who are chasing ferrari lamborghini dreams more so than like 
player appreciation and longevity between the relationship of developer, publisher, and consumer, right? You are hurting the ecosystem by cannibalizing it. Yeah. In your three-year tenure as an exec, sure, you made the numbers look up, but you cut seven years off the life of the company that you work for. But you know that you're going to be working at Netflix in four years, so you don't care about seven years. You care about the three that you're there. That's your portfolio as you transition into your new job. This is what we're seeing. This is if we just look at the Activision Blizzard relationship. That is what we're seeing. That is what is at risk. Mm -hmm. Right. Blizzard is all about the long term where 30 years down the line, they can look at back at their IPs with no regrets. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no smudge of greed. Right. But now that that is definitely uh, at risk. Mm -hmm. And and Activision is all about what what can we do now more so than a legacy of a company right they're all about what we can do now and what can we do better next year and they don't care how they get there right and so that's a very i i feel it's very short term because it really kills franchises and activision is known for killing franchises until people don't want anymore call of duty is standing the test of time so by killing you mean overdoing it yeah, overdoing okay, it. Guitar yeah. Hero, Tony Hawk, <laughs> uh, Skylanders. Killing it by running it into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. These, are, are, these are rest in peace IPs, right? <laughs> that, that caught on really well, but they're just like, yeah. I want to say, <laughs> whore it out. <laughs> but uh, that's exactly what they do. They just really bludgeon it into consumers out there uh, until they don't want it anymore. And then sometimes they take a break and then Tony Hawk shows up <laughs> in a cereal box uh, years after, like a, a groundbreaking IP mm. <laughs> showing up as like a, like a kitty prize, a kitty prize uh, as a way to kind of bring it back into the fold. Right. And this is what they've been doing in Call of Duty. Thankfully, the three con studios have been creative enough to keep kind of figuring it out and working on that. And so they, they've been uh, standing the test of time. But there's no other franchises over that doesn't set, right? I haven't heard any of Candy Crushes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard anything they've been doing. And speaking yeah. of this whole layoff, two other studios in America closed yeah, down. Completely closed down. So I'm lives. guessing those two studios were the innovative ones, or at least if it is just like more marketing, sure, fine. But, uh, you know, that, that cuts into them trying to innovate, right? Obviously, some way, some form or another. Um, yeah, if anyone's going to do their research, I keep saying Z2 Live. I know there's Z2 now. Well, God rest the dead company. There's Z2, but, you know, they started as Z2 Live when they were acquired. Yeah. Okay, Larry, why don't we take a short break and hear from our sponsor? Man, I really love these tools. I got to thank the Quixel team. I got to thank everyone over there working on Megascans and Mixer. I appreciate the content. Look, man, I just got to give it to you straight. My funds are a little low these days, bro. Uh, I don't know if I can keep paying this monthly subscription. There's got to be a better way. Yo, your bank have been like calling me about it. And so I've been indirectly informed. And so I was able to talk to Quixel, get a deal going. So before we had a GDU code, um, GDU for three months, 30% off, right? 
we're phasing that out, obviously, for this new code, which is going to help you and every mega scan hopefuls out there. Um, we're going to do GDU 10, which gives you 10% off their yearly subscription. So it's a yearly subscription, 10% off. And so if you don't know the, the breakdown of that, this is what it means, right? So if you were to go monthly, it was like $29 a month before, right? The yearly subscription was $19 a month if you do the full year. With our code GDU10, that's an extra 10%. On top of the on top of the $19 per month. Oh man. Yeah, you're you're welcome. I can afford that. <laughs> I can afford that. And the benefits of the tools though, like I'm talking industry ready, top of the line models already scanned, true to life, ready to go in your games. Doesn't matter what engine you're using. So I get it. I now I get it for cheaper. <laughs> so exactly. Thank exactly. You. Exactly. What was that code, dude? I forgot already. It's GDU10. Go to megascans.se, enter that code, and you're going to get 10% off on top of the annual uh, discount that they already give. So it's an amazing deal. And if you're looking for photogrammetry assets and textures ready to put into your game and be high-quality top bar, you can't skip out on megascans. you got to do this. you got to try this out, and it's a great investment for your game and your company. Yeah, all those students out there working on their environment art demo reels, getting ready to graduate, but are behind. Wink, wink. Get some mace scans. Go check it out. <laughs> so um, the Blizzard and Activision relationship is like a clear example of um, the, the reason why we're picking Activision. Activision is, is the most corporate company in the game industry right now. Right. So seeing what they do kind of, they are, they are, uh, they are movers. So you can uh, kind of tell what's an extreme way of thinking of how a, a very corporate game company, a successful game company runs, because that's the that's the mirror for a lot of these other corporates to look at. Right. EA is, I would say, almost equivalent, but not as evil, because they actually if you look at their IPs, they actually try other things. Right. Mm-hmm. They take other risks. I mean, they do put out a lot. Yeah. Uh, games like Mirror's Edge come to mind. Like these are the type of game Anthem, you know. Although they they put out a lot of games and they like always fluff launch. Uh, they they are commendable in trying new IPs. You know what I mean? When EA is making a new IP or copying an IP, you're getting or like. Sorry, I already messed up the joke. EA wants to copy your game. They make a whole new game, right? Yeah. Activision wants to copy your game. It gets added to Call of Duty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the, it's kind exactly. Of the, the like, how do we tell this story in a military shooter? And it's like, what? <laughs> I don't know. It's my mom dying, dude. <laughs> I, I remember not to, not to shit on one of my favorite games of all time, but like Plants vs. Zombies showed up in World of Warcraft, and I was like, what is this isn't like a nod to pop culture man this is just this is lame yeah. why, why are you guys doing that you know what yeah. I mean? but uh yeah that that's that that's what's happening right now which is mm-hmm. and we were to go really um dig down to what was um what was happening before these layoffs you know it's been rumored since november that mm-hmm. this was coming it was the first time i've heard of an impending layoff two months ahead so I don't know if it was them being sensitive to lighten the blow. Mm. 
you know, maybe it was a strategy to kind of be like, uh, it doesn't hit us hard because maybe um, they were thinking about this and the telltale thing happened in November. Hello. Like, uh, so they saw that fallout and how much that um, bag press was affecting telltale as a company. They're like, all right, maybe we should leak some of this so that if we're going to do this anyways, you know, people can get used to it more. <laughs> and uh, although there is a big, you know, huff and puff about this one, but the telltale one was the one that everybody was screaming about. All right. So at least with the Division, everyone seems like getting some type of severance and yeah. layoff. The they have to at, is completely different at a size that large. They have to yeah. do something like that. But uh, this is the first time I've heard two months before a layoff. And how how how, <laughs> how stressful is that for people? Um, you know, two months ahead of time? To know that two months ahead of time. Because Blizzard knew two months ahead of time because they were, I think, the studio that got the most affected, 8% of the workforce, right? And, um, you know, uh, I think people were seeing, uh, if we were to reference some, some um news article about this kotaki wrote like a nice like they talked to 20 devs about this and people were mentioning like a week or two before people were walking around the office and seeing others like looking at their linkedin knowing ahead of time uh and so like since sympathetic uh execs you know were were letting employees know ahead of time it's like hey maybe you should start looking because tuesday is going to be a bad bad that deal right trying their best to kind of have some morality going i have to completely be open and honest about this right like even from the employer end let's just be real not every employee on the executive team right is the one that says fire these people yeah but a lot of them are people who have to carry out orders because they're responsible for teams right there's still a lot of individuals great people right great people on both sides that's not what i'm saying here (laughs) i'm just saying um I at least accept and acknowledge the fact that like, yeah, you know what? This guy who's like my direct manager, he may not be getting laid off. He may know ahead of time that I'm getting laid off and he may not have told me, but I have to understand that like it's a business and you're not, it's you're damned if you do damned, if you don't for those individuals, right. For the people who have to manage and, and handle the layoffs, because you tell somebody two months ahead of time, Hey, there's going to be layoffs. That's going to spread. Everyone on the team is going to be looking at LinkedIn just in case, right? People are going to make sure they start saving portfolio pieces just in case. You're going to create this like shift in the culture where instead of it being a happy workplace where everyone is just like cool and like thinking they have this secure job. Now people are just getting their eight hours done because they are going to go home and work on portfolio pieces or they're going to start taking lunch breaks because they want to interview somewhere else just in case. You know, Mm -hmm. anybody who had a grievance who was thinking about quitting or who knows that their relationship is rocky, even if they weren't going to get fired, might be thinking internally, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, my time is up, my time is up. Maybe I need to quit. Maybe I need to, you know, like you you create so much uncertainty in your workforce where the productivity for sure will go down, right, yeah. when you tell people ahead of time. When you tell people day of or when you tell people like without enough time to prepare, then it's like, oh, my God, you guys knew two months ago and you could have given us an opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. And like it's... I feel bad for all parties involved. I obviously feel bad for people who lose their jobs. Like primarily, I feel less bad for people who have to tell those people that they're losing their jobs. I'm just simply saying like, I can understand that like, yeah, it's a fine line because where and how do you actually like do a favor for these people without harming the company directly? You know what I mean? 
and um, it's 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 scary as a game developer that um isn't affected by this right yeah like directly if you're working at the company that just laid off uh eight percent of the workforce you're sitting there thinking it's like well but we had a record-breaking year oh yeah yeah Yeah, it's like so even so even if we do well like i'm not safe and in an industry that's already like sacrificial with their developers um it's a worrying thought uh sure they try to soften the blow by saying non-dev Right. But why would you want to contribute why to the company? <laughs> yeah. Why would I care more? Yeah, uh, yeah. If, you know, if what I'm doing is never enough. Yeah. When, 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 when is enough is enough. You know what I mean? Well, Read is like the main thing. Yeah. I know. Good right. Enough isn't. <laughs> Good enough isn't was actually their model. <laughs> yeah. It's very telling uh, of uh, how they think. And, um, it's a it's they are on top of their game right they're a record breaking mm. company in yeah. terms of triple a status yeah. so if the the leaders of our uh, industry is thinking like this you know it, it really doesn't spell a good fate for a lot of developers out there yeah and uh, it's it's very scary. When is it safe for us, really, as developers to go around, even when your company's doing really well, record-breaking even, that you're never okay? Yeah, the I think the hard part for me when I look at all this is, like, I really try to be as critical as possible without being personal, right? It helps me in life <laughs> to yeah. understand why things happen the way that they happen. And the first thing I look at is, I get it. A for-profit business, especially one that has shareholders at all times is going to want to chase revenue because as soon as people see, like you said, it starts to dip those shareholders who actually don't play world of Warcraft, who don't play overwatch heroes of the storm, who don't play call of duty, but you know what they do play Lamborghini. You know what they do play 401k. You know what they do play. This is what's supposed to be 10% 10% of my portfolio and my stock guy said games was hot this year yeah. and I'm betting on my food for the rest of my life. That's why I own this Activision stock. It just lost 50%. Yeah. Get me out of this stock. Yeah. Right. I understand the reason why a company was going to try their damn hardest to chase revenue as much as possible because when they're publicly held, their shareholders, things like that. So I, I don't let that slide. I just acknowledge that first part. The second part where I do get a little upset is like, I can't see like, hey, we had a record year to then see like, hey, and we're paying out top execs, multi-million dollar bonuses, right? This is great. You hit sales targets. We did this, this, and that multi-million dollar bonuses. And look, you handled that layoff so well. Here's an extra, you know, bonus. Here's an extra like performance incentive for you, Mr. C-level exec. Please don't leave us for Netflix like the other guy. Yeah. That part I still have a problem with. And I actually asked myself, would I rather a C-level exec just make $18 million as a salary and then get no sort of extra bonuses? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess if you feel like that price range is the competitive package, is it better to just be like, look, this is what we're going to pay you ahead of time. And we're not going to just give you these inflationary bonuses because those inflationary bonuses are marks of success where we're sharing the predominant share of it with you, the C-level exec, and not the individuals who have to go down and push pixels, make polygons, fucking make animations, 
turn you know all of this stuff into a game market the game sell the game you know who's getting the money the person who came in with the rubber stamp and said mm. two <laughs> let's do it again that's the that's that's where the that's where the revenue share is going that needs to be shit, no. but like i do agree um there's a reason why like when Steve Jobs and all the CEO as a sign of assurance take a $1 yearly salary and all their uh, money comes from stock options. Mm-hmm. And so if the company does well that year, that's where, you know, they really, really get yeah. the money, right? Uh, Activision will never do that, right? <laughs> Bobby Kodak is one of the most paid CEOs in the world. $27 million every year, right? That's more than a lot of, like, I think that's even more that's- than, Bob Iger. I forgot, Disney. but just to clarify for listeners, his salary is like what, like two million or something like that. But then the bonuses makes it thirty. No, like, oh no, he gets thirty as his salary. Okay, yeah, like I was okay. Yeah, twenty-seven million salary. Yeah, yeah. and um, then bonuses and well, it's it's pretty, he owns it's privately. Well, I mean, they, they they bought back their company from Viacom a long time ago, yeah. so he has a. Big, you know, a good portion of the company as well in terms yeah, of he shares. And everything. shares, yeah, yeah. So, um, that is, so this is the frame of thinking that they're trapped into because not only did the Blizzard CEO Gay Morheim left, you know, there were other two execs that left as well. Eric Kirschberg, right, yeah. the the spokesperson, basically the yeah. the, the main president, like, right, head of Activision Publishing, head of Activision Publishing left. Uh, don't know why, don't know how, uh, but uh, also the CFO, right, mm. CFO left because there was like, you know, he was fishing for Netflix. Mm. All this talk about being coming Netflix of gaming is like, you know, Netflix sounds like a great company. <laughs> Let me go talk to them. Go straight to the source. Yeah, straight to the source. So uh, there was some kind of a firing going on yeah. with that thing but like when you breathe this type of thinking where it's like getting mind first right before the the the, the how well the company is doing over how well the company is doing then you're going to always bring in these execs that's only there for the short term yeah. like how much money can i make for the next two years yeah. right and so you're if that's happening at the upper level and the upper level is slowly, you know, clawing in into our, their last independent, really run studio like Blizzard, mm-hmm. this megalith. Then Blizzard is slowly gonna turn into Activision, yeah. right? If people are out there thinking that Blizzard, I mean, Activision is gonna slowly turn into Blizzard. Right, because those you're, you're you're delusional. Because those are the only two options. Yeah. Right, is Activision going to turn One into Blizzard? One going to overrun the other. Yeah, or Blizzard most likely become Activision. Yeah. And so that's what people are fearing. It is a big culture change. And Morheim or like see you know past CEOs on Twitter, uh, you know reach out saying like there's a lot of good developers. It's still there. You know, yes, this oh, I agree. It's badly agree. affected and all this stuff. You know, try to soften the blow. Obviously, they have shares, but I mean, the legacies of the company, I would think, would override that, right? Because they're rich enough where they feel like, you know, Blizzard as a company, I would like it to exist uh, 20 years from now. You know, the, the same trajectory that I, 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 I set for myself when I 
creative company, right? So they still have a better like foundation of uh, of how they they want game companies to succeed. But it is uh, it is no surprise as soon as these guys, you know, the last old guard left Blizzard, that now Activision is going full blown, full blown Activision. <laughs> like a disease yeah. they have full-blown activision now uh at blizzard uh where you know the whole marketing pr publishing everyone that's affected with these layoffs are gone it's like hey we're gonna bring it back to our guys Dude. with this rubber stamps winter is coming <laughs> winter is coming game of thrones shit man yeah everyone's all the execs coming in the blizzard now with iphones <laughs> blurring it out to people so how do you get that IP that everyone loves into this. <laughs> Get on it. <laughs> right. That's the whole. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be selfish right now and say this. I, I understand that Activision wants to put more product in the marketplace and they know that of what they have right now, Blizzard has all of the valuable IP. Oh, in yeah. my opinion. Like Influence all of, of new IPs, as new IPs. Yeah. How much money it costs them to make Hearthstone versus how much money it brings in right? How much money it costs them to make Overwatch versus how much money it brings in. And then I do the same thing with Call of Duty. I think I would imagine the ratio is better on the Blizzard side than it is the Activision side is my guess. And so the selfish player in me is like, cool. So World of Warcraft 2 will be out. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm like, it's a, it's a shot in the arm that if they're if they find out, coming out, World if there's an actual like mutual, um, creative direction mm-hmm. then you know it is helpful that both of these guys are in talks with each other and try to mm-hmm. figure a, a, a model that works for both because if it is meeting in the middle sure of course you know this is how you make new ips mm-hmm. that people love and not like drain them mm-hmm. of that love and this is how you freaking put out a game in a reasonable time guys uh and still make money and and profit as a company right so there is like a good balance there. We're we're playing like a, an optimist mm-hmm. of how this can really turn out because um, again, these are two models, two extreme models. I feel that the industry uh, they're they're the tent poles of the industry right now. Mm-hmm. Activision being like super serial uh, on their IPs, and then Blizzard being the most successful creative company with the strongest. Uh, and just a killer when it creates yeah. new IPs, right? Yeah. And fan loyalty, probably the highest I could think of. Right. Of any company. Exactly. And so, um, you know, the op- optimist inside of me saying, you know, this might be helpful. Mm. But the guy that um, has worked at an Activision place says that, oh, Activision will be Activision. <laughs> it's hard to like be optimist after they light off 800 people, right? Yeah. It's just hard to think that, you know, they have the best, they have the developer in mind, right? It's always going to be money first. Say, so, you know, I don't, they're looking at the Blizzard uh, execs over there and they're talking and it's like, I don't understand you <laughs> without dollar signs. It's like, what are you saying to me? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that is the you know like you said a shot that the blizzard needs it's like you need to stop thinking like this because let's let's be honest it's like the last few years you know blizzard has been kind of losing its reputation a bit right uh in in my opinion 
right? In terms of like, uh, you know, just developers leaving, right? More than ever, the last few years, I hear more and more people leaving Blizzard than staying. Dude, you're that's very interesting that you say that because it's always been like my career goal as a game developer is to at some point in my career wear a blue jacket and be like the game company that got me into wanting to be a game developer in the first place said that I was good enough. They hired me and then I worked there. Like that was like my Naruto Hokage. Yeah. Right. Like that is my ninja way. I'm going to be. Anyway. um, I can say that like looking at how things are going now and like seeing people who I thought would, you have the blue jacket. That's the dream job, right? It's golden handcuffs. They're going to pay you to make fun games. Wait, what? You left and started your own company? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. Mike Morheim leaves? Right, exactly. Wait, what? What's going on? So talking (laughs) about let that stuff. So you know this better than I. There's second dinner, right? Mm -hmm. Second dinner. They spun off, yeah. Basically, the game director of Hearthstone, I mean, one of the original guys helping that project get off the ground and be what it is in the first place, took a couple of folks with him and was like, hey, guys, I think we can do this better. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know why he left. Like, I, I haven't researched or even had a chance to talk to well, this person. But, like, we, I'm assuming, right? Well, like, we can assume. Yeah, exactly. That he wasn't satisfied. <laughs> so let's kick on. Yeah. Probably knows how well he's doing, you know, for the game. Probably knows how hard his team works for the game. But then it's seeing, like, the Activision side of the, like, hey, when is Hearthstone 2 coming out? Or when are you doing this? Or when's that? We need this. We need that. I'm sure that if Activision stock price has gone down 50%, Instead of saying we're going to give you more creative liberty to do what you think makes the game good, they're going to get lean. They're going to, as they say on the East Coast, put the screws to them to figure out how to squeeze more blood out of that stone, right? Mm -hmm. Ruining the integrity of the product, ruining the enjoyment that you have as a developer for being creative on this product, because now you're opening up Microsoft Excel to come up with game ideas. Like, oh, we we have a dip in this area, so let's make content for that area. And here's how we're going to monetize it immediately. Exactly. I think they just wanted a better life. They wanted a better relationship and they wanted a better opportunity to do what they obviously do very well, which is create a fun, competitive, collectible card game. And now they're doing that and they have a much better publisher, I'm hoping. So yeah. we, they definitely have the funding, 20 million bucks. 20 million bucks. And they're, one of their first one is like with a Marvel license or something like that, right? That's a win. That's a win. But that's what we're seeing. Like even people that I know that left at a very top level and have like a heavy influence in their new IPs, you know, not happy. Well, well, that and they left and I I would talk to them and they're like, you know, I thought at some point I would go back to retire there. But now with all this activity and stuff, I'm not sure anymore because it's it's a different it's a different it's not kosher anymore. Um, The culture is changing and uh it's more profit driven now and um it it scares me right because if these are the thinking especially with how the business is changing where uh customers are expecting free everything now with battle royale dominating Mm -hmm. you know these old execs at activision is like why are we not them why are we not epic right now why are we not respawn ea is happy obviously they're like oh my god <laughs> fuck battlefield fuck anthem <laughs> mentality anthem should be out right now so um when we're recording this we of course we haven't played it or know like the aftermath of this whole battle royale thing but ea is you know it's i would say the second um peg of this whole like corporate thinking 
where at least they have new IPs, but they are so bad when it comes to giving their IPs a fair shot of succeeding, where they would release it weeks weeks apart, right? Um, thankfully, Respawn didn't get like uh, shanked twice, right? Where they're the ones that are screwing other developers now. <laughs> but uh, um, to go back with Activision, um, it's interesting to kind of see how these guys are trying to figure out this business model, right? At least EA was leading the front with DLC and with people uh, kind of ragging on them with microtransactions, you know. I think Ray mentioned a few roundtables ago where at least they're trying to figure this out and they're testing things, which is, yes, you know, at least they're trying to listen, but they're creating a bad rep for themselves when it comes to microtransactions in in the way. Activision is more like uh, waiting to see type of mentality where, you know, they wait for what's working and what's not. So all this stuff with Activision, um, I don't know. I'm starting to feel very tired. (laughs) Because like I said, this podcast is all about where can we go? Right. And this is something I just recently talked to uh, like a developer about like same shoes where 10 year plus worked on killer, killer titles. But there's a pattern with these guys where they are um, they have lesser and lesser places to go. Right. Unless they want to go back to being a senior. But there's still there's just a finite. Uh, position for being a lead or like a creative lead or all that at certain companies where you, you know, you're most likely if you want to work at a good representable company that you're going to not live where you want to live mm-hmm. and you're going to either have to sacrifice um, where, where you want to work and where you want to live. Or in most cases now, surprisingly, I'm hearing like a lot of people are doing the the commuting thing mm-hmm. where they work at one place and they actually fly back either every weekend yeah. or every every couple of months because you know the 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 lead position at a good company after 10 years plus being paid at that salary there's only a few companies that can do that. Yeah. You would think the options will be plentiful. Yeah. But it's it's the opposite. It's, man. it's becoming more of a pointed spear, and everyone's fighting for that position, right? And uh, and I'm to hear that Activision is becoming going more in this direction. It's like it's it, it feels like unless you really shut down your um, willingness to be happy. <laughs> Right. Where you just go along with the beat of the drum. Uh, You know, it it feels like one gate has fallen down uh, to go to Blizzard, basically. Like you said, all right, that's kind of one less place I want to go now, which is I'm hearing a lot. Like people who wanted to go to Blizzard before and retire and all this stuff is like stopping at the door now. It's like pausing. It's like, oh, shit. All right. What's going on with Activision? Maybe I should wait and see. But that's one big option in Orange County, which is yeah. a nice place. They hire a ton they, of devs. They hire a ton of devs, but it's like experienced high-level devs are like, uh, 
Like how political is this shit? Because it's a lot of it's like politics for us when it comes to like wanting to work in a company. It's like, I don't care how many IPs you put out. I don't care uh, how profitable they are. If I hear something political, because that's something at the lead level that you face repeatedly, you're constantly in contact. You're like the closer you are to the core, the execs of a company, the more stressful it is because it becomes very personal. You want to somehow get in there uh, uh, one step down, but one step up from a senior position. So it's a really small, it's a balancing act because you will need the salary that you need <laughs> to give you, you know, uh, credence to, to the years that you put in the industry. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not much of that left is what I'm saying. So if you're, if you want to work at these companies now, you got to really brace yourself to put your face in that bullshit, all of that face in that pile. <laughs> like you're ready. You ready. You got to be ready to face that politicalness every day, every morning. And it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to face because you, you, you do get to see the internal stuff that's going on you gotta you gotta it's survivor at that point you gotta ally with the right people you know you gotta kind of buy into the kool-aid a bit right i'm not saying that i'm not saying that you you're always gonna have to um leverage that yeah i mean it's gonna be part of the bs and then part of you right you're never gonna get a hundred percent like this is how i feel about place as a lead and this is how i feel that where the direction we should be going you're only going to be a small influence to that decision is what i'm saying so to me as a developer hearing these type of news like activision laying off people even though they're doing well uh, a place like blizzard that's really respected and their culture is changing uh where where I felt like it was a great home for developers that really want to just create. Uh, that's different now, right? At least the mood seems like it's changing. Um, that it, it's, it's another place that not everybody can go anymore where uh, high level developers could have went, right? Because there's not that much left really. Right. Not around here, man. I really hope they get their shit together. And I think that what we're going to see in the next couple of years is sure. Probably Blizzard will be releasing more things more often, which I even jokingly was trying to say that I would appreciate. I think in the grand scheme, I'm just going to get less quality things more often. Oh, yeah. Not that Blizzard is going to be more or less capable, right? Like, or excuse me, not that they're going to be less capable, right? Like it's not that it's more so that like, if you know, it ain't ready. And you used to be able to put it out when it is ready and be proud of it and stand behind it and know that like you won't have to explain shit. People can play it and they're going to love it, right? You've verified that with your experience, with your hard work, your quality assurance testing, you've got something solid. To now look at it like, nope, we have to become deadline driven as far as release goes. Not that they weren't that in the past, but they were willing to forego the deadline to make sure that the product's integrity was at 100%. Now. Oh, hey, we weren't able to get this thing. Fuck it. Game's got to come out. So what can we do in its place? Yeah. What is the duct tape version of that idea? Yeah. And then that's what we're going to, that's what we may be getting. And I'm actually really sad about that. 
Well, you're, you're, it all starts with the developer team being 100% satisfied. If everybody in the team is cool with that, but now they're going to go with like what, 70% of the mm-hmm. crew loving it, 30% unsatisfied. And so what that's, what's the, what is that's going to, you know, what, how would that affect the company? Obviously, 30% of people not being satisfied, which means 30% are thinking about other things, leaving. And then, you know, slowly that's going to be, you're losing great talents basically right yeah. if you look at it like uh, an over, overall view and so you know at some point blizzard's gonna lose talented or have disgruntled employees putting out stuff that they would not have put out before yeah. and so they're gonna feel that change and so now you know, it's activision good enough <laughs> activision good enough exactly that's what it's gonna be and yeah so I mean, to those, to all those that were affected by this layoff, our heart goes out to you as always. Uh, amen. You know, and uh, it's crazy, man. There's, it's, it's not like there's 800 jobs in the game industry ready to go. <laughs> um, you know, in a way, there are some, uh, as always, on Twitter, Facebook, there's recruiters, you know, opening up their they're home basically saying, Hey, we're actually looking. So you should come over here, but it's such a small percentage of available jobs yeah. uh, for these people to land. So uh, at, at, at best 20% of those people will find jobs, but it's always like a large 80 or more percentage that are just going to have to hunker down for the next six to seven months until something opens up. Thankfully GDC is all coming, but yeah. um like I said, it takes a while, man. It takes a long time to land on your feet again. Yeah, I, um, definitely. I appreciate every single one of my game developer brothers and sisters. I know layoffs are tough. And as much as I want to speak the problem out of existence, it just doesn't work like that. So, you know, stay strong, keep the portfolios up to date, keep looking and reach out to any friend, old colleague, you never know, right? Like, when I got laid off, I always was first, like first two days, like, man, fuck this shit. Like, you know, just real angry about it. Then after that, I started like reaching out, like, okay, Larry, like get yourself together. Yeah. What's the plan? How do you move forward? So, yes. And developers, there's a reason why we made the podcast, right? It's to avoid the day off type of firing. Yeah. Prepare yourself. If you're hearing, if one, especially you're, if you're on like the ground level of what, happening right now if the person next to you is gone (laughs) because of this layoff don't just sigh uh, a sound of relief right start thinking about hey maybe you're in the apartment you're in the apartment that death touched (laughs) yeah exactly so start treating it seriously and start doing something for yourself the only safe haven and we talk about unionizing and all this stuff it's a process it's gonna take a long time for that to take hold what you can do now immediately is just having that side hustle man just get that side hustle and going set yourself up right um develop new skills be valuable Mm -hmm. um outside of where you're working um that is the best defense that a regular game developer like ourselves have against this type of thing that keeps happening every three months It's a fun playground to be in, but it's battle royale time, dude. <laughs> you got to fend for yourself, right? Even if you're working in a great company and you feel like, 
uh, nothing can go wrong. It's always going to feel like that when things are great. <laughs> the CEO, as soon as things go bad, is going to be okay. You're not, right? You're always going to be on that list um, of, uh, of people that could help reach that company's full potential, right? So not on the good side, on the bad side of things. <laughs> Less of you will make us full potential super scion. Mode. So, uh, yeah, I mean, from talking to and interviewing with a lot of people, although there are risks on both sides of being at a company that is somewhat stable, having a patient, not having to worry about that, to also being indie and living, you know, game to game and all this stuff. Um, I feel at least with the indie people, although, you know, it's always, it's a lot more riskier. Sure. But in terms of happiness, I feel like they're more in control. Like the more they do that, I feel like they're more safer in the long run. If I'm to look at long-term, if I were to look at an indie developer in 10 years versus a triple a developer, uh, super kosher at their job. I would bet on the indie developer surviving until 65, basically. Mm. Like they would have more skills than the AAA developer if they were the same age and everything. And being able to survive and keep making games. Yeah. That's what I've been seeing. And that's from what we've been hearing at least from my perspective, interviewing all these developers from all sides of the industry, where whenever I talk to an indie developer, it just feels like they have a better understanding of um, creating their own destiny, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think about that, Larry. How do you feel about that? Well, I agree. I would say, and I'll kind of like let this be one of my last points. Um, me specifically, when I was in AAA, I knew that my role, my task was very specific. I had a very specific expectation for what I needed to do in order to be considered good and what I needed to do or what I obviously was lacking in doing to be considered bad. And they both pointed to the execution of one or two tasks, make my level or come up with my idea for my new level and then make my level and then come up with my idea for my new level and then make my level. That was my experience in AAA more or less, right? Mm -hmm. I would say that focused attention to that one thing hinders me because if I lose that job, I lose my income. I lose my ability to provide for myself. And the only thing I have of relative value at that time, the the skill that's at its highest is I'm really good at making a level and coming up with an idea for a new level. I hope I can find a company that needs that right now. Mm -hmm. Right. I think with indie, it's not, you can't get comfortable, right? You always are looking for the new side gig. You're always looking for, maybe I can supplement this with contracting. You're always looking for the, hey, you know what? I'm really good at Photoshop. I've been doing all these textures. Maybe I can open up this or do that or even put some of my training content on YouTube or let me hit up digital tutors and do a class for them. Maybe like that kind of attitude is the survivalist attitude. And I'm always going to bet on a survivalist if it comes down to a competition of survival. Yeah. Exactly. That's basically what it comes down to for me. Way better put than what I said. No, 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 no. (laughs) I I springboarded off of what you said. No, it's true. It's true. So um, comfort is the killer, man. Comfort is the killer. And it's so easy to get comfortable at a company. And I, I, in in the companies that I've worked at, I found myself in those situations 
you know, it wasn't until recent years where I started to wise up. I'm still seeing it to this day. Um, it might come off as lazy, mm-hmm. but <laughs> there's a certain attitude that I have now when it comes to uh, working at a job, right? Mm-hmm. Just knowing all these different things uh, outside of my control, uh, outside of me just making what I do the best thing I can do. Um, knowing that there's other factors to making a game successful has helped me kind of frame my perspective on uh, just leaving my emotions out of it, basically. And I've been so much happier uh, doing that. Just like, hey, you fired me to help out on one thing. Here I am to help out. But you sure as hell are not going to get my plus eight hours right thinking about this out of sight out of mind as soon as i walk out that door and uh and uh unfortunately i've seen developers still today that pour their heart and soul as if this is their last creative chance to say something in the world right uh putting that in the wrong pot right because, you know, the exec of that company doesn't feel the same mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, have a different vision, right? Or different opinions. You know, you're never 100% in control. So uh, there's got to be a healthy distance to what you do yeah. on your salary job um, to what you want to do. Because uh, it's, it's very fast. It's a very fast way to get frustrated. And then um, making, I feel, bad decisions based on that frustration to just jump ships, even though the other ship is not as stable, right? The best way I recommend to developers that are working right now, you know, hearing these news, and trust us, there's going to be another glass door in a couple months. <laughs> these are like... Uh, uh, coincidentally not on purpose uh by by monthly glass door confessions here and so you guys need to take that in mind and have a healthy distance to creatively uh creative your creative outputs at work like for me the people who have a realistic overall idea of how a game company works even if you're a lead and everything um it's never going to be 100 percent of what you want something's going to frustrate you and to just think of the job as like a basic foundation of uh you know the more secure the job the better so you don't have to go home and stress about it find that job but everything plus to get those peaks that you want in your career has to be the side hustle. Mm. That's where you explore. That's where you get creative. That's where you put up, put a team together that believes in your vision and get something going. It doesn't have to be a game. It could be like an exploration of your skill set, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, since we've been doing that, right, I've been so much happier. Like, it's like, uh, how do you say, you ever seen that repellent? Uh, you know, they sell, sell it at Home Depot where you spray it on your and all water and all stuff like just slides off. <laughs> that's how yeah. I feel right now. You know, <laughs> all the drama that's happening around where the world is burning at work. Right. I was like, oh, cool. Well, it's a good thing. I don't care as much. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like when there's game uh, like uh, uh, like company announcements saying like, oh, man. <laughs> You know, this hasn't been a good quarter for us. It's like, wow, it sounds like you guys are having a tough time. (laughs) It's how you should feel, right? Because that's the relationship. There's no we. 
at a game company, guys. Please remember that. Because as soon as you buy into the we part of the, the company pitch, y'all, you're in it. Oh, you're going to be so in it. You're going to, that's when you lose control because you don't have control. You never had control. It's a false hope. It's it's a false um, concept of control. Just just treat it as it is. It's a, they say it, they say it right when you sign on at will employment. (laughs) It's like, that's exactly what it is. They try to reason say, Hey, you can leave whenever you want, but no, that this just means I can fire you whenever you want whenever I want. So um, take, take that seriously, take that, you know, have an indifference somewhat to the job. Of course you're hired for a job, do that job really well, but don't, if you're thinking beyond that job, when you come home, then uh, you're, you're waiting for something to happen to you emotionally. Yeah. I, I like having something that I control that is producing revenue for me yes. and something that I know that if I put more time into, I can get more revenue. And so therefore I at least have that extra pillow to sleep on when I go home at night because, Hey, you know what? If I lose this job, well then I have 10 more hours that I can put into that thing that I'm only doing for one hour a day right now. Like I'm now going to get 10 X out of that potentially. Like it may not directly line up that way, but that's just the thinking. Yes. that's but the happiness is the definitely going all oh, man. Yeah. Comfort. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. So uh, game devs out there, thank you for listening. Yeah. Sorry for what's happening. Um, take care of yourself. Well, I don't have a rhyme. <laughs> Good night, guys. <laughs> So thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope that you're a subscriber, but if you aren't, please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, especially iTunes or Spotify. You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes and Feedback Fridays where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to Patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. And if you do so, you get access to Life Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.